Welcome to Yoga Wisdom. Questions about how to live your yoga in daily life answered by Integral Yoga founder Sri Swami Sachidananda. As the very first definition of yoga goes, to calm the mind is yoga. In simple, plain language, great uh, sage Patanjali, who several thousands of years before formulated the yogic ideas, not that he was the founder of such, when he wrote that book, Yoga Sutra, he, in the very beginning, defined yoga. In his definition, he says, yoga Chittavritti Nirodha. Yoga means to regulate or to control the vrittis, which are the waves on the chitta, the sum total of mind. So, in simple language, to keep the mind calm and serene, free from any turbulence or any wave is what you call yoga. And somehow I feel that this is the same goal in almost every philosophy, every religion. Always see the similarity in Bible, where one of the beatitudes that Christ spoke from the Mount. Blessed are the pure, they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. What he meant pure in heart is exactly in Patanjali's words, chitta vritti nirodha. Purity of heart, because he, uh, he used the word heart, it is actually the mind, it's not the brain or the heart, it's the organ. The heart may be pure, but the doctors take it and clean it and put it back. But still you can say he has a pure heart. It's the pure mind. pure emotions. So it's not the head or the heart, it's the purity of mind. And here, what is the purity of mind? What 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 can you call pure? If you deeply analyze it, it's not that something good, if the mind does some good good deeds, the mind thinks in good ideas, if the mind is virtuous, it is pure. We don't take it in that respect. A pure mind is a serene mind, because when you are happy, when you do something nice, 
you get excited. That is one form of disturbance in the mind. As uh, psychologists, you might certainly know, by over-enthusiasm, sudden excitement also, the mind stops to function, the heart fails. Many a times we have seen people, all of a sudden when they receive a, a wonderful news of having succeeded in his uh, exam or in his composition or having acquired a big prize eh, through a lottery, when that message comes to him, they collapse. They have seen people, eh? all of a sudden if somebody has told you, Oh, you got a million dollars in your lottery. Huh? I got it? Then you collapse. It's a pleasurable thing. It's nice news. But still, even the excitement can disturb the mind. It is the positive swinging. The same way distress, depression is another aspect, the negative side of the swing. So a pure mind means it is neither excited nor depressed. And that is what you call serene mind. Serenity or tranquility means not an excited mind, neither happy nor unhappy, but the golden medium. And that is what you call serenity. There is a peace. There is a joy which you cannot compare with the ordinary pleasure with it. And that is probably what is meant by the peace that past understanding. It has no opposite. So that is what is meant by the purity of heart. And that is what again meant by Chitta Vritti Chitta vritti. Vritti. Vritti, V R I T T I, you can say vritti. Vritti means whirlpool. A wave is called vritti. Because a wave means always a crest and a depression. You need positive and negative to make a wave. So when the mind gets into a wave, maybe the, the crest you can call the excitement. And the depression that follows the excitement is the depression of the wave, the other half. But when does this wave, from what stage a wave is created? <coughs> from a tranquil state. If you just leave the mind undisturbed, it remains its, its own, in its own tranquility, like a bowl of water. You just leave the water, automatically it comes to a peaceful state. You don't need to do anything. Suppose you see the waves on the water. Can we do something to stop it and make it peaceful? Hmm? You cannot put in your palm and raise it or do a little ironing. Hmm? <laughs> It has been tossed by some movement or wind, so keep it in a windless place. Leave it alone, 
undisturbed, it regains its peaceful state. Mind also is like that. If you do not disturb it, it remains calm. That is, the original state of mind is to be in peace. If that is agreed, then the rest of the things become very easy. Because even when somebody says, when somebody comes and complains, you, I am terribly disturbed. Since when, you ask? He may say, oh, since yesterday morning. So before that, how were you? Oh, it was all peaceful. So what was his original state then? Suddenly peaceful. Peace was his original state, true state. And that is why when he was peaceful yesterday, he didn't come to you, complaining. Hmm? Hmm? Have you ever seen people coming to you, complaining, Oh, I don't know, I seem to be all peaceful, huh? help me. Hmm? No. Because he is enjoying his true nature. So, if left alone, you are in your peaceful state. So when you hear somebody saying, I am disturbed, then you question, what disturbed you? What was the cause? You go, you probe into the reason, and then you try to eradicate that, remove that cause. Once that cause is removed, something like the wind blows the water, and the water forms into ripples. If you know that the wind is passing, you just protect the basin from wind or take it into a calm and quiet place, a windless place, then automatically the water finds its tranquility. So that is the state of yoga, equanimity. Even though the literal meaning of yoga is union. Union with what? Union with your own true nature. The true nature that you lost when you gain back, you are in union with you. So you what you lose, you gain. And that is exactly what is meant by religion also. Religio means to return back to the place where you were before. Yesterday you were peaceful. You lost it. Now your religion helps you to go back to your yesterday's position. Again the same peaceful state. And that is what you call union or yoga. And in psychology also, this is the same goal. When people come disturbed, you find the cause and you, by analyzing, and then you say, oh, this is the cause, that stay away from it. Then immediately he finds the peace, goes back. But unfortunately he doesn't stay there like that always. Another wind blows. He allows another thing to come in. It comes back to you. So it's a constant cycle. So here what we say in the name of yoga is 
not only finding the cause for the temporary disturbance, but to find the cause, the basic reason, the original cause for all the kind of disturbances. You may have, I'm not really a, a, any a qualified psychologist or anything, you must know that for talking to you, uh, I'm saying just something from my own experience. The nature is my book and I study, so I don't have any degree or anything, so don't be disappointed later on. <laughs> so that's why uh, it's not possible for me to even quote from your textbooks. I don't know much, but what I could say is, from what I experience. So what I feel is, I may be wrong in saying this, when you analyze a person, you find a, a cause for the particular disturbance, which you might call a fixation or... How do you use the different thing? Well, we, I don't think we, we really work that way in mm -hmm. this particular school of thought. Um, mm -hmm. We're not into analysis. Mm -hmm. um, we're much more guides to people becoming more aware of their own inner process mm -hmm. and to become more conscious through mm -hmm. their experience. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not analytic. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose if we were to look for a cause, it would be how an individual holds himself back, holds his life force, his life energy back. Mm -hmm. and. Um, we work more toward assisting him to release uh, that resistance to life. Okay. What is the cause for the resistance again? Why should a person hold back? <coughs> so that is where, you, in a way, you are analyzing it. Mm -hmm. eh? Why he should hold back? Hmm? Well, how is he holding back? Hmm? How is he holding back? How is the person uh, tensing his muscles yes. and preventing himself from expressing his life. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we don't ask the person to explain why he's doing it, but we rather facilitate his awareness of what he is doing, tensing, and how he's doing it with his shoulders, with his arms, with his muscles in here. And then to understand that, mm -hmm. maybe to practice it, to do mm -hmm. it better. Mm -hmm. uh, and then to, to learn to release it. And it's cognitive as well, um, because often the uh, relationship between this uh, and his history becomes very clear. Mm -hmm. so we, do we really do get into, into why, but we, we discuss it, we call it what. <laughs> so you you, you know, what tell me something of the physical symptoms, and even those physical symptoms, the tension in the shoulders or pulling the stomach mm -hmm. is caused by some kind of mental agitation, is it not? It's not the physical, physical body expresses the state of the mind. And the mind, again, that is where most of anxiety, worry, frustration, disappointment, these are all some of the terms we use which disturbs a man. So here we say, what is the cause, the major, the basic cause for all these anxieties, worries, fear, disappointment, hatred, jealousy, whatever be the emotional disturbances? We say, 
And that is where religion also agrees, that selfishness of the individual. The individual wants something for himself, personal expectation. I wanted something. It could be anything. I wanted something for my sake. Even if it is for somebody's sake, I expected that that must happen. If it doesn't happen, I will be unhappy, even in helping others. Of course, I am here saying that I could help you. Now, I, I, I come to a state that I must help this kid. Somehow. Suppose my, all my intelligence doesn't help you, I am disappointed. Hmm? That is an expectation. Instead, you say, well, I can just give what I have. If it is good enough for her, she will get the benefit. Otherwise, she will not. I cannot force my help. I cannot even think that I am the right person capable to do that. I am just doing what I can. And there lives the ends of the matter. Then, suppose I do all that with the expectation of helping you, and if you are not helped, neither you are happy, nor I am happy. Hmm? Why? You go unhelped. Hmm? I go out totally disappointed. See, I wanted to help that kid, but I couldn't. Oh, I am terribly sorry, terribly disappointed. What happens here? I come here to help you, I go out as another patient. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of leaving one patient in the room, I, ca I create another patient. Hmm? <laughs> so that is the reason. Some form of expectation you decide that must happen, either for me or for, for you. Even that expectation that it must happen to you means if it doesn't happen to you, I am unhappy. So it's for my happiness I want that to happen to you. Hmm? It's based on my personal benefit. And that is what we call selfishness. The selfishness is the cause behind all these emotional disturbances. That's why in, in a simple language I say, whenever you complain of having a disappointment, I say, you made an appointment, hmm? and that your appointment didn't come through. It got dissed. <laughs> so when your appointment gets dissed, you call that disappointment. So who is the cause for your disappointment? Hmm? You. So my slogan is, make no appointment, have no disappointment. <laughs> Hmm? Hmm? Of course, it's not possible to live without making appointments. Hmm? Even this evening, <laughs> to come here, I have made the appointment and I am here. Hmm? And here on an appointment. But how can I say, make no appointment? Having made an appointment, there again we should know. And we cannot live without making appointments then make such appointments which would not bring disappointment to you. 
And what is that appointment which will not bring me disappointment? An appointment not based on your own selfishness. Totally, for their sake, if you make an appointment, without any expectation on your part. And that is what you call selfless action. There is not even the slightest selfishness behind this appointment. To get a little name or fame or anything else. Here, opportunity was given. I have been asked to come and talk to you. Okay. I don't know what they think of me. Probably they are thinking that I have so much to give you. Or something, whatever they think is fine. I am here, I am just presenting myself. I'm not trying to force myself to be something different than what I am or what I was. I'm plain, simple, this is all I know. See me, hear me, if you like, take it. If you don't like it, leave it. I don't even expect you to say, oh, it's wonderful. If it is wonderful, take it. If it's no use, just drop it. Doesn't matter. Like many other evenings. <laughs> this is one of the evenings which you might have wasted. <laughs> I don't lose anything or gain anything. I came here, I'm going as I came. Then this appointment cannot bring this appointment to me. Maybe my words may not come. It means you are not receiving, you are digging in. There is something in, by your own receptive capacity, if you dig, you get something. Something like if you dig deep, you get water. If you don't dig, you don't get water. The earth is not dissatisfied or disappointed. So by your own smiling, you are digging me, you are getting out something from me. If you just sit cool, you are not digging, nothing will, will come out and we will sit for a while and say good night and go. But it will not bring me any disappointment. Um, would you say some more about this in the sense about non-attachment hmm. to, uh, as a way of being? Yes. Uh, would you say, uh, would you... Uh, well, uh, Selflessness itself is termed as non-attachment. You are not attached to your own benefits. You don't put yourself first. As self, ego self. Ego, yeah, ego, that's what. When I say, I'm talking about the lower, the little self, huh? little not the higher self. No. The higher self is just there. Huh? It doesn't expect anything, it doesn't lose anything, gain anything. It is there like the light. 
see in front, the light is there. Whatever we do here in front of that light, using that light, it's not going to be happy or unhappy. You may sit and uh, chant some nice holy names, do something beautiful. Others turn on the same light and sit and drink and gamble and do something dirty. The light will not say, oh, you are doing something dirty, I'm going to go off. <laughs> it is just there. It witnesses both. It's not affected by what we do in front of it. Self is like that. It is the little self, the ego, that wants to imitate the self. Actually, the ego is the reflection of the self on the mind. So mind is a mirror and the self is here. The self reflects on the mind. So the reflection of the self, the, ref the reflected light is what you call the ego. They look alike. The original and the reflection look alike. But the original is not affected. The ego can get affected if the, suppose, if the plain mirror, you get the perfect ego. I mean reflection. Suppose the mirror warps a little like this, what would happen? There is a distortion in the image, but not in the original. That is why when the mind gets crooked a little or disturbed a little, the ego gets disturbed, not the original self. Thanks for listening to this Integral Yoga Multimedia Podcast. We hope you'll subscribe. For more information on Sri Swami Satchidananda and Integral Yoga, please visit us online at integralyoga.org.